We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Racism and injustice are the major themes of Union Avenue Opera's final production for the current season. It's Court Vile's Lost in the Stars. The production is assisted by a $25,000 grant from the Court Vile Foundation and will be playing on the 17th and 18th and 24th and 25th of August at the Union Avenue Christian Church. I sat down a few days ago with the director, Sean Patrick Tubbs, and with Taswell Thompson. He's from the Court Vile Foundation and Tubbs' mentor director. I began by asking Thompson, who joined us by phone from New York, for an introduction and synopsis of Lost in the Stars. Well, it's a great work of social and historical significance that's carried aloft by a masterwork score. The work is a shattering, gut-wrenching, intimate tale of the struggle of the quest of two fathers to recognize, know, and accept each other in the difficult chasm of the apartheid system with with themes of personal heartache and pain, compassion and and understanding and misunderstanding, reconciliation and forgiveness, and a moral transformation all set against Court Vile's incredible score, luminous songs all throughout. Lost in the Stars is based on Alan Payton's 1948 novel, Cry the Beloved Country. And Lost in the Star was Kurt Weill's final theater stage composition before his death in 1950. It has a book by Maxwell Anderson, and it tells the story of the Reverend Stephen Kumalo, a black Anglican priest, and his son, Absalom, in South Africa of the apartheid era. Absalom takes part in a robbery with two friends that results in the death of a white man, Arthur Jarvis, the friend of Stephen Kumalo. Absalom confesses and is sentenced to hang while his friends lie about their involvement and get off. And in the end, Stephen Kumalo is reconciled with Arthur Jarvis's father, James who realize that they have both lost sons and that they are both, in a sense, lost in the stars. Sean, this is very powerful stuff. And translating something like that into an opera and making it work on stage has got to be quite a challenge for the director. Uh, It it is a challenge, but a lot of that work has already been done by the beautiful music and adaptation of the words from Kurt Weill and Maxwell Anderson. I think what a director should first and foremost do is get out of the way of the story and allow the people in these relationships and this struggle to be paramount as far as what everyone else can witness. I think the biggest issue a lot of times is that we want to add to a story, but this is a story which we're all very familiar with, a story of separation, a story of loss, a story of pain, and we all seem to feel that in one way or another or experience it in our lives. And I think if we keep the focus on that main issue, then everything kind of takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. 
How is it relevant to today? It's a, the story is in 1949 in South Africa, right. but there is regional and local relevance. Absolutely. And I appreciate the fact how strongly people hold on to that, that belief and that understanding here in St. Louis. But it's relevant because we have spent our entire lives trying to understand each other, the races, um, genders, economic, social. We've spent our entire lives doing that. And I, I believe we've gotten better. But obviously, with what's gone on in our news and our society and what continues to go on in our country today and become a lot more prevalent with our uh, social and political temperature that we're at right now, I think a piece like this is a reminder that we have still a long way to go, but that there is hope because the fact that I'm even here to direct it as a young black man to do mm-hmm. this piece is significant, and I I understand the responsibility to add to the story in a sense of my perspective and what I'm able to do into the room. Taswell, what will people take away from this production? When they leave, what will they have in their uh, pocket? What is important for me about Lost in the Stars and the audience's involvement, and they will become involved, they'll be compelled and brought in and captured by this incredible story, is that opera in general and this opera in particular, is a living, breathing organism. And that one can't sit through this opera, Lost in the Stars, which is not often done, but when it is done, it packs an emotional wallop. And I think the audience will walk away transformed and changed, and they'll learn lessons in tolerance, accepting of the other, They'll find that this is an opera of great hope, reconciliation, man's capacity for change, man's capacity to forgive. And the music will not be washed over the audience. The music will actually penetrate the hearts of those who watch Lost in the Stars. Is opera an effective medium for transmitting and purveying social messages? Absolutely. It's not the only means, uh, but it is effective. What I find so striking about opera or operatic singing is that it's so visceral. Not that you don't get that in other genres of music, but I consider a lot of opera singers as elevated. They're like another instrument. That The music isn't to just support them. They work in conjunction with the music. So I feel that they have an opportunity to express something much deeper than we can with just language alone um, by the pitch and the tone. It's not something you can hide uh, behind. You have to you have to embrace it. You have to ride it. You have to let that let the emotion pour over the music, which I love. There's no subtext in these songs. They are saying what they feel. Um, There's very little subtext or none in the words, but definitely in the music, it pulls at the souls of each of these characters. And I think that that is what will be conveyed when when people hear this music. We have some of that music, and uh, you can can help us out by telling us uh, what to expect from, I guess, the first thing we're going to hear is Train to Johannesburg. Is that correct? That's correct. Right. That song in itself, and just thinking about what Johannesburg means to these people, it was a way out. It was a way up. It was a way to move past their current circumstances to go, especially for the youth, the young women and the young men, to find a better life, escaping small villages that were over-harvested. The soil was no longer rich. But it was a different trip for two. 
So in this song, you get a perspective of the two cultures, the white culture. When they go to Johannesburg, it's reminiscent of when people go on a nice trip upstate or somewhere and they and they enjoy that, where for many of the blacks, it was that they would go and they would never have an opportunity to come back, either the means financially or because of the what they would have to experience in Johannesburg. So it's a song that touches for both, but it's very different experience. Again, one, this could be the last time they see their family. Um, So it's almost a goodbye at the same time. Let's listen. from Lost in the Stars, Train to Johannesburg. Of course, Lost in the Stars, Kurt Weill, the composer. You can hear the train in that music, can't you? Very much so. And uh, I think what's remarkable, too, about that piece, besides the the story it tells of these two sides, is that um, much like the entire piece and how this piece will be presented, it's the people. So the people are the train. The music supports it, but there's more in the music where they are literally what moves everything in motion. So they make the sounds of the train uh, as they go as well. We'll hear more music in a little bit, but I want to go back to Taswell. You are described in the notes that I have as the vile mentor for Sean Tubbs here. What does that mean? I'm a member of the board of trustees of the Court Vile Foundation, and I'm a director in my own right. You know, I've directed Lost in the Stars three different occasions in Cape Town Opera, Glimmerglass Festival Opera, and in Washington National Opera, the Kennedy Center. So I know the piece and love the work very, very well. And as a board member, I was one of the groups that gave permission to support the production at Union Avenue Opera with uh, more financial funding. And we have a mentoring system for young singers and scholars of Court Vile and his music and his works, and for directors, early career directors. And it was asked if I had the time in my schedule if I could come out and be there for Sean as, a, I don't know, um, a consultant, a shoulder, another eye, another ear, a friend a lover of the work of uh, Lost in the Stars and all things Court Vile, and I was very happy to. He hardly needs my help. I've been there for him to ask questions if uh, he had any, and he, he had some. 
but the production is in very, very good hands. Well, he's nodding uh, in affirmation to everything you've said, but I'm still going to ask you, Sean, what it's like to have someone like this kind of there, a shoulder certainly, but uh, kind of looming in the background. Well, I'm going to say this. uh, Tazzle's heard me say this uh, a number of times, um, but I feel very honored to carry on the legacy of one of staging this this piece as well as uh, being one of very few directors of color to have an opportunity to work on this piece, which I, I, I do think is significant. And he's paved the way for this. Um, his productions beyond this, the three that he's done of this, I've been quite aware of. And when I approach this piece, I always look at the work that's come before me. And so his work has been instrumental there. As far as the 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 shoulder and the friend, he's been all of those things. We had several conversations, some emails, some calls before uh, he arrived in St. Louis. And in those, he was the ear to let me know if I was on the right track, if I was seeing the piece in the most effective way. Uh, there's no reason to redo work that's already been done. If someone's had an idea and, and had an opportunity to really flesh out a piece, it's invaluable. And he's been able to give me that. When he came here, however, he's been nothing but supportive, as well as adding a component, like he says, he has a very careful ear for language. And with all of the moving parts, the work continues to be invaluable that he's offered to really help shape the language of the piece. Taswell, uh, how much latitude does Sean have to, to do his own thing? Or, or is it pretty well prescribed the way this has to be uh, directed? Oh, no, it's not prescribed at all. And his production is very different from my production, extremely different. He has his own approach, his own point of view. Uh, There's no denying what the story, I mean, the story is set in stone, certainly, and the music is cemented, it's rock. But there's been some latitude in terms of there's some lines that could be edited, and he could distribute some of the lines to other, the small characters if he chooses. But he's chosen to present it on a, very simple and elegant and straightforward staging. He has both the black ensemble and the white ensemble, in this case known as the Afrikaners, working together. So you see them as actors who come together and they intermingle with each other on stage. And then in the scenes where they need, he needs to show them separated by the apartheid system, it's, it's very uh, clear. He has a kind of Brechtian approach to this. And Brecht, Bertolt Brecht, was one of the frequent and favorite colleagues and collaborators of Court File. So he's taken the approach to the work where he establishes right at the very beginning, which is unusual, that he has both members of the cast, black and white. They come out on stage together. He establishes his concept right at the very beginning. My approach was very different. But nonetheless, the story, and particularly the music, the voices are glorious, by the way, in the Union Avenue Opera Company of this glorious. You understand every single word, which is very difficult because Maxwell Anderson's lyrics are not the easiest to sing. There's a lot of consonants in in his words. And so to sing consonants and to make that clear rather than to sing vowels, which most great operas are filled with vowels, so you get all that sound. But um, Scott Suniver has made it abundantly clear how the language of the songs need to get through. And Sean 
has made a very distinct and definite approach. He's put its stamp on this on this production, and it holds the center holds of what this piece is about. The story comes through. Sean, it must be helpful to you to have that latitude to put your own stamp on this. Yeah, I mean, well, I think that is the nature of a director. We're interpreters of the material. Um, No one is necessarily hired to do it exactly as it is unless you're doing something like a a Samuel Beckett piece where he tells you do it pretty much this way. But it's an interpreter. I mean, the the first idea is – well, every idea is really filtered through whatever concept or I guess you can say idea that has first struck me. And I build from there. What I conceive is not also concrete. It's malleable. And when other ideas come in, uh, if it clear, it makes the story clearer, I, I look forward to and accepting those. But I think every director wants to have the latitude to um, find the clearest way that they understand the story. And hopefully the audience will feel the same way. Taswell, the question I wanted to ask you, and you're the guy to, to ask it of, what is the genius of Courtville? Well, first of all, he was socially and politically aware and conscious of what was around him. He and his family escaped the oncoming Nazi crisis, the Nazi regime. He left Germany with his family and he came to America. But what is long-lasting and what is wonderful about Kurt Weill is the way he impacted into the pathway of our hearts. He knew how to put his soul and his heart into what would impact the emotions of the listening public. He loved music. He loved American music. He loved American culture. And he wanted to to be involved with the opera house. He wanted very much to be involved with uh, musical theater. And he left us an incredible legacy of wonderful, wonderful songs from The Lady in the Dark, Street Scene, One Touch of Venus. Three Penny Opera. Uh, Yes, well, Three Penny Opera. You've named it. You've named the very best of, of his work. So he's, he's a genius. He's a masterwork of connecting to the listening public, people who love music, people who love life, people who are concerned about totalitarianism and authority figures and involving those who felt outside and neglected and put down because they were something different from what people were used to. Sounds like somebody we might know that's living in the White House. (laughs) (laughs) I think we better move on from that. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. That's why I like working on anything Kurt Weill, because he was very political, and I see myself as an activist as well, and I, I just love his work, and I'm thrilled that the audiences in St. Louis will get to see this wonderful production that that Sean is directing and Scott Schoonover is conducting. Well, the name of it is Lost in the Stars, and uh, we have the title number from this opera. Perhaps uh, you can set that up for us, Sean, in terms of what does Lost in the Stars mean? Well, I, I don't know, and maybe it's just my my impression of it. I don't know if I can say exactly what it means. I can say that it has lots of meanings, and in the context of this story, we are lost, is what uh, Stephen Kamal says. And I think he's referring to himself. I think he's referring to the land and everyone who's in it, that we are all out there, but we, we don't have that connection. We don't have the answers that we want. It's It's too far. It's too... 
removed from where we're at and we're all out there seemingly lost. But the great impression of it with the stars, and you have little and big stars, they are visible. So though you may be lost in a, in a great amount of a chasm of space between the stars, the stars are still there, and um, hopefully they can see each other at some point in time. And I'd also like to add that in the song, Stephen sings bitterly, I feel. It's not a ballad. It's not a love song. It's not a lullaby. He's questioning God, and he's rebuking God. Because he says in the song, and God promised that he'd take care of us down here, and somewhere along the way, he broke his promise, I'm paraphrasing, and as a result, he feels that God is has let his people down, and that's why they are traveling the earth like big stars and little stars, but ultimately they're lost somewhere in the stars, forgotten by God. We have an excerpt of the title number. And they ran through his fingers like grains of sand. And one little star fell alone. Then the Lord God hunted through the wide night air for the little dark star on the wind down there. And he stated and promised he'd take special Well, you know, it's been a, a great pleasure talking to you gentlemen about this uh, production. You know, I think the fact that it has such uh, social relevance today makes it all the more important. And thank you for bringing it to St. Louis. Sean, thank you. Taswell, thank you so much. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Don. And, and just knowing that it's socially relevant, but it is also going to be a very rich and entertaining experience and help people find that as well. Sean Patrick Tubbs and Taswell Thompson, directors of the Union Avenue Opera production of Lost in the Stars, being presented on the 17th, 18th, 24th, and 25th of August at the Union Avenue Christian Church. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs are available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Don Marsh.